David Sparks and Jason Snell spent their careers working for the establishment. Then one day, they'd had enough. Now, they are independent workers, learning what it takes to succeed in the 21st century. They are free agents. Welcome back to Free Agents, a podcast about being an independent worker in a digital age. I am Jason Snell, and I'm joined as always by my fellow host, Mr. David Sparks. Hi, David. Hi, Jason. We're back after a fortnight, and it is time for an interview. Yes, I'm very excited about today's interview. Welcome to the show, Jamie Newberry. Hello there. I'm so excited to hear that you're excited because I too am excited. <laughs> Lots of excitement. <laughs> so <all around>. much. <laughs> well, for those that don't know Jamie, she is a, a, a geek and a free agent from birth, as she explained to me a few days ago, and always hustling. Jamie's been busy with Martian Craft. I know you're on the board over there. Are you still working with them at all? Probably not, I would guess. Just the the board. I mean, which is some yeah. work, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's pretty much the extent of it right now. But Jamie extended her free agency to a business called Picture This Clothing. She uh, started her own company and it went, I guess I'd say viral. I mean, you were on television. I mean, I don't remember. Was it the Ellen show? <laughs> it I mean, was, when it, it first was started, Harry. it was crazy. <laughs> it was Harry, Harry Connick Jr. show and yes. a couple other like Fox television and um, Michaela on HLN network. Um yeah, there were a few TV shows, but it, it mostly went viral um, um, through Facebook. Interestingly, that was the big the big thing. Yeah, well, so so, but Jamie, after doing kind of her own thing for most of your life, uh, you, you you came up with this business, and it just it really just took off. And that's an interesting thing we want to talk about. How do you deal with crazy success with a new venture? Um, but so you're doing that, and uh, you know, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's really an honor to be here. I love both of you guys. You know, our paths have crossed at conferences and tech things past. It's an honor to be here with you both. So what did you mean when you told me the other day on the phone that you've been a free agent since the beginning? <laughs> you know, I think, um, boy, you know, I got my first job when I was 12, uh, washing dishes, cash under the table sort of situation in the one restaurant in our town. I grew up in very rural Nevada. Um, I was born in Vegas, but moved to rural Nevada with my family in fifth grade and when I was in fifth grade. And um got my first job at age 12. And um, I think that like kind of was the start of it. It, it like I had some money to spend and things that I wanted. And I, I liked that feeling. But um, my parents were really big advocates of, you know, working hard and um, and loving what you do. And I, I actually really loved my dishwashing job until I was uh, 15. And I was able to graduate into waitressing at that one restaurant um, while also, you know, being a high school student. And so doing that on the side when I was 16, I got to uh, do some other extra work. Um, so I had that job. And then I also, um, my dad owned his own sand and gravel company. So you know, kind of an entrepreneur. I remember um, many, many family receipt sorting activities um, growing up through, throughout the weekends and stuff. But um, I, I got to work for my dad's company too. everything from, you know, operating a like a, a loader, a big heavy equipment loader to washing heavy equipment to driving a pilot car to um, whatever he needed me to do, basically. Yeah, um, I, I just had to stop for a minute and think about Jamie <laughs> driving a tractor. 
<laughs> it was like a big loader, like a big old scooper that scoops giant dirt rocks and things into a, yeah, into a crushing machine. So yeah, that I, was I do think awesome. that plays a role though for, for a lot of people that kind of go down this road that they grow up around people. I know entrepreneur is such a loaded word, but I still like it. You know, they, <laughs> they, they grow up around family members that have their own businesses and, and, I, I think that helps you from a very early age to think that that's an option in your life. Um, uh, for me, nobody around me had their own business and it was, it was something that was so foreign to me. It took me a long time to come around to the idea. Yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting too, because I, I think you're right. It, it, it definitely, it shapes one aspect of your thinking. And I had like, you know, my dad who was kind of like, Oh, I like this job. I'll do that for a while and I'll start my own company. And then if it doesn't work out, he would go back to work for somebody else. And, you know, he kind of oscillated through those, um, lifestyles, I guess, on and off. And my mom was sort of like the stable and she was an accountant by trade and she did the accounting and she was the stable. She's like, you need to be bringing in money, you know, like we can't survive like this or, or whatever. But she had that sort of fear and stability. And like, so I, I kind of go back and forth between their two personalities. I feel like sometimes that, that, you know, you need the security and safety of a job. So I've definitely, you know, had jobs, but I also have that sort of free spirit mindset that my dad had where I want to love what I do, no matter what it is. Maybe it gives you a good balance, really. You know, the idea that you can do things, but also you got to figure out how to pay the bills. Yeah. And, you know, and I think a lot of that is, you know, a decision in a lot of ways on what kind of life, you know, what does success mean to you? And what what does, you know, I don't know, what does paying the bills look like for you? How many bills do you have that you have to pay? What's required? Um because I think you design that you you decide what you know. Do I need a you know a bigger house? Do I need the dog in the car or what kind of car and you know that all that kind of thing. Um, or or do you live very simply? You know, we've seen like this big tiny house movement. Not to like completely derail the topic, but you know I mean like people want to do more. They want to travel more. They want to see more. And there's like this big shift in what do I really need has has happened in the last you know five to ten years, and it, it's really cool to see. Jason, did you, I don't think we ever talked about that on your kind of origin story show. Were there a lot of entrepreneurs in your family growing up? I think we talked about it a little bit and I was actually struck by something Jamie said about how, um, you know, you, you absorbed that from your dad. My dad was an orthodontist and I was thinking about how that is an industry, med- medical dentists and doctors and all that, where the idea of a private practice is like a common, maybe a little less now, but it's a pretty common thing. I think that most often their industry was people out on their own, running their own business, putting up their own shingle. And what's funny is that it didn't sink in for me, like I think it maybe it did for Jamie, uh, uh, to the point where I, I just had this, for me, it was like, I'm going to get a job in the media and that's going to mean it's a big company. Because back in those days, that was, you couldn't hang out a shingle on your own. You had to be part of a large organization. And I do remember my parents, especially my dad, being a little, asking me lots of questions once I got a job and was working full time and had a boss and all these things. And I had that moment where I thought, oh yeah, he doesn't do this. Like he did in his past, but in the last 20 years or 30 years or whatever, how long he'd been working at that point on his own, um, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, he didn't have a boss and he was, he was doing his own thing. And so it was, what I was doing was really foreign to him. And I only in the last few years have I come around to the other side of it, but I, I did not internalize that so much, perhaps because of what industry I was planning on going into. And so I, I totally 
didn't uh, pick up from my dad who was who was running his own business any of that stuff I, it was like i wasn't i was already looking past it and so it's the, ironically now i am the one who is doing the same thing this episode of the free agents is brought to you by timing the automatic time tracking app for mac os head over to timingapp.com slash free agents and save 10 percent when you purchase and get a 14-day free trial as a free agent, I cannot understate the value of knowing where you're spending your time. There's really nothing more important. And with today's sponsor, Timing, that's easy. Distractions are always just around the corner, and this makes it harder and harder to stay on track of where you are with your projects and determine how much time you really worked. That's why you need an app to help you stay on top of your time. But manual time tracking interrupts your workflow and is easy to lose track of. Timing is different. Timing automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible. First, it automatically tracks how you spend time on your Mac, broken down by app, website, and document. But that's a lot of data to work through, so timing lets you use drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize your time. I run timing on my Mac every day. It's one of my best resources at the end of the day to grade myself on how I did and figure out where I'm spending too much time and also where I'm spending too little time. Timing also understands that not all of your work happens on the Mac. That's why it automatically suggests the filling gaps in your timeline so you never forget to track a meeting. It can even automatically ask you what you did whenever you return to your Mac. Timing myself in this way really started out as an experiment last year. Now I do it all the time. I just find the data so useful and it's really helping me get better at shipping the things I love and getting rid of the things I don't. And Timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach, they offer a totally free trial. Head over to timingapp.com slash freeagents, and you can download a free 14-day trial today. And then you get to save 10% off when you purchase. So stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. Once again, that's timingapp.com slash freeagents for the free 14-day trial and 10% off. So, so Jamie, you were kind of a free agent for a long time and you've been kind of jumping around as i understand you i don't know all of your career but this the, the public facing stuff that i've seen you do is you do move around a little bit and you have tried different things um did you ever feel any resistance to that i mean once you get in one thing is it hard to move to the next you know i think that's i think that's really interesting um you know it's like for the bulk well you know now i'm on the other side of that but like as a younger person i i graduated with a metal sculpture degree which was like when i graduated i was like well that's useless now i have to figure out how to make an income <laughs> Um, and I was, it was 1998 when I graduated from college. Um, and, and so like I, and I was married at the time and my husband at the time was, um, into like video production work. So I'd done like a bunch of freelance stuff with him. Um, and he, we were moving to the Bay area, the San Francisco Bay area. So I was going to do grad school there and, and all of that. But like, I ended up like falling in love with the web, right. In 1998, I was just enamored with animated gifs and, and all of those things. And I was like, I want to make the web. I didn't know how to use Photoshop. I didn't know how to, you know, do any coding, but I ended up with this job in a video, a video production company. Um, just, do, you know, doing like production assistant work. Basically, I would help 
coordinate events and um, do whatever the the office manager, the owner of the company basically needed me to do, which was a lot. And she was awesome. And I learned a ton. But um, but what what happened over time is I had a lot of downtime and I would be the only one at this office. And so in my downtime, I taught myself how to d- use Photoshop and, and to use BB Edit and like kind of reverse engineer websites. Basically, I would look at the, you know, use view source and then I would copy and paste it into BB edit. And then I would plug things in on my own to try, you know, make my own graphics and then start dropping in graphics and see what would happen. And, and that was really like the beginning of it all. And I became in love with it. Like I absolutely, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. I want to be a web designer. And, and so I went down that path and, you know, eventually I left the film and video company and I got a a job as a production artist at a, a web startup, like a doc in the dot com era, the whole that yeah. first startup boom, um, out in, you know, the Silicon Valley area, um, at a, at a company that, yeah. And basically I started as a, so this was like my real for my first real, real job. Um, they, you know, paid me a salary. I think I had gone from making like 10 bucks an hour and doing a bunch of temp work to, um, they paid me like $40,000 and they offered me benefits and stock options, which never vested, but that's okay. It was still exciting. And, um, you know, so that was like my first legit job, like real, real job out of, out of college. And it was about a a year after, um, moving to the San Francisco Bay area. And I, I got this job by just applying and, um, and teaching myself Photoshop and stuff on the side using classroom and a book if you remember those um came with a dvd rom <laughs> and, oh yeah oh man right in the so, back probably yeah yeah <laughs> right in the back in the little plastic sleeve and i taught myself how to use photoshop i got this job and then i was learning on the job with people who were really good and i learned how to use illustrator like on the job and um you know and i did that until the economy shifted and the whole dot-com thing collapsed around 2000 2001 i could see the signs the writing on the wall <laughs> and um, we actually, our, our next door neighbor at that startup was a company called Webvan, which was like grocery delivery in 1999, you know, which now is super awesome and, and stuff. But, and it, we thought it was awesome at the time, but it just didn't, it didn't go. Um, and when they closed their doors, I was like, okay, I got to start finding another job. Cause if Webvan's not making it, there's no way our company is making it. Yeah. So I ended up moving back to Vegas, getting a job as a web designer, um, for UNLV where I had actually gotten my undergrad degree. And is this where the burnout story comes in? Cause I've, I've seen you give your talk <laughs> about, about burnout and getting through it. And, you know, as somebody who real, I mean, I was thinking about that a lot cause I saw, I saw you give that, uh, talk while I was self-diagnosing as, oh, be, as, burn, as burning out. Um, Man. and that was, that was when you were a web designer that you, that you burned out, right? Um, kind of. So like, you know, my career, so that was around 2001. I moved back to Las Vegas from San Francisco. I moved back to Las Vegas in 2001. Um, got this web design job, loved it, did it, worked at the, the university. And I was like coming off, I got to tell you, side note, coming off of the pace of the, you know, dot com era in San Francisco to an education environment. It was like running a thousand miles an hour into a brick wall and I, I couldn't get so I did tons of side work I was doing um, freelance websites for anybody who needed a website I was like I'll design your website and I I did like my very first um, my very first it was a power book I think back in the day right not MacBook. Um, yeah. I got my very first PowerBook in exchange for my very first Flash website. So I built this website in Flash and um, they paid me with a case of Dr. Pepper and a laptop. And that was like 
everything to me. <laughs> so that was back in like 2002. And then, um, so I was working at UNLV, I was doing side work, um, which UNLV awesomely encouraged because they felt like it benefited them because you were learning, you know, to better yourself, your trade and you, and then in turn be better. But I also ended up teaching at the university, um, also in parallel. So I was doing like three jobs kind of, um, I, w- I was teaching management information systems, interestingly. And, um, and then I was doing websites on the side and I was doing my full-time job. I didn't have kids at the time, needless to say. Um, I, I, I got to <laughs> interrupt for one second. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. still thinking about this. So you said, I'm going to make you a website. Now, did you, was the first demand the case of Dr. Pepper or the Mac? <laughs> so this company, it was actually the company that I did this for was the company that I had worked for in the San Francisco Bay area as a production assistant. And, you know, when I started dabbling with stuff, I'd built their first website. And then when I left, they had hired somebody else to build their website, like a new version, and they weren't very happy with it. So they asked, I had already moved back to Vegas and they said, Hey, would you be willing to do this? Like, you know, in your, in your free time or whatever, would you be willing to build us a new website and here's what we're looking for and i did it and and i just they asked what it would cost and i was like well i need a i need a computer (laughs) to do this on so they actually they fronted the computer and then um you know, and so I, I did the work on this new computer and they said, here's some cash if you want to go get your case of Dr. Pepper so we don't have to pay for shipping. So that was kind of how that <laughs> went down. But they they paid for it up front and, and I did the work. I worked hard for it and, and they loved the website. And I think it still exists on the uh, like the Wayback Machine or whatever. <laughs> if you look for I'm, old. I'm going to totally start doing that. I'm like, I'm going to need a, uh, a tickets to Star Wars and something really expensive. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't occur to me at the time to just ask for the cash to buy it. You know what I mean? I was just like, I need a computer to do this on because my my ex, you know, my husband at the time, we shared a computer and he used it most of the time. He was a video editor and, you know, he um, he was using his computer all the time. So I needed one. And that was and I was, you know, young and poor and, um, you know, working my butt off to make it make it work and uh, doing what I loved. You were definitely working your butt off. So I think it was teaching coding for school coding for third parties yeah well, yep. when were you sleeping you know it, it this is a funny thing but i didn't require a lot of sleep in my younger days that has changed significantly now <laughs> as i've aged and i have kids but um around age 38 that all changed for me but i i seriously was pretty good you know with like a couple hours three four hours of sleep a night um and, and i i don't i marvel at that now i i don't think i could do it to save my life today um to only get two or three hours of sleep, you know, for multiple days in a row. Whew. But so I, I guess kind of going back to answer that that question about like, when did the burnout happen? Um, I, I actually built this really kind of awesome career as a, as a designer. Um, you know, I would say it started in around 1998. And it, it carried me all the way through um, in, in many iterations. You know, I, I was doing the teaching and I was I was doing the web design thing. And then I ended up leaving this web, the web design job at UNLV to take a job with with a, a company that was doing awesome, awesome stuff. Um, and they were called Eat Drink. And I became a partner after a year of joining. I joined as a project manager slash, uh, 
I don't know, interface designer. <laughs> so I was kind of wearing a couple hats there, but um, it was these just awesome dudes basically that ran a company. They had an office in Vegas and an office in Chicago, did mostly work for large agencies like um, Saatchi and Saatchi, Leo Burnett, like big, big clients like Disney and um, uh, I don't know, Procter and Gamble and, and all kinds of, you know, Hardy McDonald's, um, big, big name clients. They were doing cool stuff because they were really awesome at like flash and animation and, and stuff like that. And so I, I jumped on board over there left the um stability of the university to go mm. this wild little little tiny shop and i fell in love became a partner um and rode that out until 2008 and the economy shifted yet again as it does and we closed our doors to eat drink in 2009 zappos was a client zappos offered me a full-time position um about a month or two after. And it's interesting in that sort of transition period. It was 2009. Um, I had a, my second child in February, closed the company in March, started at Zappos in April. And what a crazy year that was. Oh, and then also went through a divorce that same year. So that was a big year for me. Um, not burnout year though. Um, burnout didn't come until about 2012, 2013. My dad passed away. Um, April, it was April 9th of 2012. And I actually at that, by that time, so I had left Zappos, um, by that time I had joined a company called Black Pixel and I was, I, I loved that job. I loved that role. I joined Black Pixel in 2011 as their director of user experience. So like my job as a web designer had grown and changed. I'd become a partner of my own shop and, you know, a lot of different iterations. And while I was at Zappos, I was, a uh, a manager of product manager and manager of user experience or whatever. But my first project there was overhauling the web, the look and feel of the website. My second project there was, um, the, the very first mobile apps, uh, for Zappos uh, to run that team and, and lead that project. And so, and we did iPad, iPhone, and then Android. And those were really successful at the time in my first foray into the mobile realm. So then my job kind of shifted into mobile focused stuff, um, rather than web, which was great. Hit me right at exactly the time I needed to kind of shift gears out of the web and right into mobile. So that carried me a couple more years until I lost my dad. And then when I lost my dad, it was one of those jarring, you know, I, I'd had lost before. I'd lost my, my brother when I was 11. I lost my mom when I was 28. And, and I thought that I had the whole lost thing. Like, I got this. I know how to work through it. I've done it before. But when I lost my dad, it really hit me differently than I expected. And I just went into this downward spiral. And so even though I had this job that I, I really enjoyed the people I worked with, I enjoyed the work that we were doing. I enjoyed the clients that we were working with. Um, but I emotionally just disconnected. And as a, you know, a design person, you can't disconnect. You just can't. It's an emotional job design as there should be. And, um, and, and I felt like I wasn't doing my work justice or their, you know, company justice to keep doing it if I couldn't connect emotionally. And, and so I just quit. I didn't have a plan. People were like, what's next? And I, I didn't have a what's next. I just knew I needed to focus on what was important. And, you know, um, can I, on that yeah, point, yeah, though, you know, that's something we've never talked about on the show, but just in my, in my day job, I, I deal with a lot of clients and a lot of them are free agents. I, I haven't had this problem at this point. You know, I've only been a free agent really a few years now, but a lot of people aren't ready for that when there is a loss <laughs> in the family, you know, yeah. you lose somebody important to you. And if you have a job where you're getting a salary and you show up and you have, you know, 
a disconnect for six months. Sometimes, sometimes it takes that long to get over something like that. Uh, you can almost get by, you know, when you're working for somebody. You can, you, you know what I mean? It, yeah, but when, yeah. when you're on your own, that can be devastating to you. And that, I don't really have the answer for it, but that's something to be wary of, I think. It definitely to be is. be aware of, yeah. And that's where, man, you know, it, it is interesting because I, I literally felt like I couldn't design anymore. I couldn't do it. And I still, I honestly haven't really gone back to design in the same way that, you know, that I used to do it. And, and honestly, like, you know, people would ask me after that, like for advice, like, can you take a look at my app? Cause that's what I did. You know, I was with Black Pixel and I, I, I was helping people with, you know, I was doing talks about how to make your design connect with people. And, and, you know, like I was doing some really awesome some talks and, and I was really passionate about it. I had built a career doing something I loved. I loved my work as a designer. And then to just feel this disconnect from it was scary. Um, I, at the time was a single mother of two girls. I, I'm, I'm still an independent mom, but I'm not single. So I try to make that distinguishment. Um, this, yeah, to distinguish that. But, um, but you know, like, so it was scary to feel that, but at the same time, you know, I, I have a, a good skill set. I have a broad skill set. Um, you know, I can manage projects. I can write business plans. I can, I can design if I have to. I can, um, you know, help people solve business problems. I can help people think about things from an empathetic perspective. I have a lot of skills to offer. And, you know, it was really just, I had to take time to really think about what was important to me and prioritize that and not just do work for the money. You know, I, I was making good money, but at, at that time, I, I, I guess I was in a, a lucky position. I, I built a good position for myself to say, you know what, I need to take time. I have a good safety net. I'm a good saver. Um, and, you know, and we talked about this a little bit, um, David, when we connected before this call, um, is that that sort of financial independence, like building a financial stability so that you have some freedom. And so if something like this happens, you have a little time to recover or you have, you know, to do what you need to change things. And, and honestly, like I, I ended up coaching, I ended up doing coaching. Um, and I did that talk about burnout. And then you might be surprised how many, you know, I was still talking in the tech, tech environment, Mac developers and app developers, and um, how many developers came to me afterward or emailed me afterward and said, help me, I'm going through this, I need your help. How did you do it? How did you get through it? And, and I ended up, you know, making a career out of that basically. So I ended up shifting what I was doing. And even though I still consider there's very much a design component um, threaded through everything I do, that's my way of thinking. You can design your life the same way you design a product, the same steps, you know, and I, I feel like I've proven it. And, and you know, I've gone on to do this company. That was something that I also designed because I know how to design damn good products, I'll say confidently, you know. Um, but if you can shift that lens and, and design it toward yourself, or you know, aim it at yourself and design your life the way that you would design a product or or make a product if you're a developer. Um, the same tools apply, interestingly. This episode of Free Agents is also brought to you by FreshBooks. All of you freelancers out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions about your business. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their cloud accounting software for freelancers. It's ridiculously easy to use by simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to 
to deal with their paperwork. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it. It puts an end to the guessing game. And with the new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. See how quickly things happen when all your conversations live in just one place. If you're listening to this show and are not using FreshBooks yet, what are you doing? Now's the time to give it a try. You can get a an unrestricted 30-day free trial because you listen to free agents. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash free agents and enter free agents in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you to FreshBooks for supporting free agents everywhere. So so how did you deal? So as you came out of the, the burnout, you started doing consulting, but eventually you started some new uh, projects as well. What led to that? What led to that was making this decision. Okay, first I'm going to leave this full-time comfy, awesome job that I have. And I'm just going to see what happens. I've got, you know, about a six month safety net that I had built up, um, in savings. Um, and, and I was like, okay, I, I have a little bit of time. I figured I'd give myself three months because it probably takes a, you know, another three months to actually find a, another job. <laughs> I figured it could take longer. I don't know, but that was where I was at at the time. So I had six months living expenses in the bank and, um, I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this. Here I go. And I, I started writing the very next day. I started writing and, and just like a public blog post or whatever. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm going through. And then I started getting some offers to write for money, which was awesome. So I was like, sweet. And then I got this other, you know, like people reached out to me. They were like, Hey, heard you left. Would you be interested in this? And lots of offers. I was very, very lucky that a lot of people just like reached out and said, Hey, would you be interested in this? And I found one that aligned with what was important to me at that time. I didn't want to design thing, but I found somebody was looking for um, help writing a business plan. And it was, it ended up being a year long engagement um, at a very, reasonable volume of uh, hours per month. It was like 60 hours a month and it was enough to pay, pay the bills and not like, you know, eat away at my savings um, and, and just keep moving. But also I had time. So it was interesting how that happened, but I feel like I designed that, you know, like I, it's not like I just happened and stumbled into this stuff, but then like, I, I just kind of kept working through this stuff. Right. And I, so I started the coaching thing. I started writing about what I was working through and the progress and how I was doing it and what would happen when I did this and what would happen when I did that. I ended up starting this little thing called tiny challenges. Um, there's a tiny challenges.com where we, Daniel Steinberg and I did, uh, like uh, we did a few episodes of a podcast. Um, and then, um, yeah, we kind of moved on from it, but it was cool. And people were, we had a Slack channel and kind of shut it down. But one of the side things I had designed time into my life, I wanted to own my time. That was my biggest objective. I want to own my time. I want to, I want to control when I do what I don't want to sit at a desk or have to be there for a phone call. I don't want to take or whatever. I just wanted to own my time. And, and that was the goal that I'd set for myself. And by coaching, I was able to do that. I was able to schedule phone calls when I wanted to have them and people, you know, pay me for my time. And I ended up doing that on a corporate level as well. I would do corporate coaching. So companies were hiring me. I had like a telecom company from Australia hire me to help them with emotional writing and with their team, <laughs> team the, their team's emotional happiness and well-being. And and then I ended up helping uh, Martian Craft in a similar capacity with the, their design team and just coaching. Um, and, and, you know, at that capacity, and I set the hours, I set the terms, I set... And then that, that Martian craft job rolled into, um, 
a full-time position as a COO over time, but it was still remote. So I was still working at home and still able to kind of own my time. But in the, the sort of like in parallel, you know, I'm never doing just one thing. Um, I was writing, I was doing public speaking. Um, most of those things pay a little bit um, on the side. But then I was also doing stuff like I was spending time with my kids. And in one of the things that I did was make a dress that my, my daughter drew this picture of a dress. And I was like, hey, we could make that. I have just enough sewing skills to be dangerous. And so I took her to the fabric store. We spent like $100 in fabric. And I spent the next three days, um, 12 hours across the next three days, like constructing this dress based on her drawing. And and that wasn't like how Picture This came to be instantly. It, it was over time. That wasn't the aha moment. But I built this dress for her. And I say built it because I patterned it, sewed it together. It's very different than what Picture This clothing does right now. But she put it on and the words out of her mouth were, I'm wearing my imagination. And that moment was magical. Like if any, if every parent could have that experience with their kid, it's, it's seriously one of the most amazing experiences. So she wore this dress like endlessly for, for about three months. I had to like peel it off her body to wash it. So it wasn't gross, but, um, she wore it everywhere and everywhere she would go is this brightly colored rainbow dress. Um, everywhere she would go, people were like, that dress is amazing. Where did you get that? And she's like, I created it with my mind and my mom made it. And, you know, she's, she's like, I made it. I, it came from me, my design. So it was just this amazing thing. And my boyfriend, Ken was like, man, you've got something here. This is amazing. Everywhere we go, she gets compliments on it and people want one and kids want one. And, you know, they want to be fancy like Zia. And, um, and so he came up with the idea to simplify it. He's like, well, what if, you know, cause I, at first my response was like, no way, I'm not going to become a seamstress. Like th- that project was hard. It was labor intense. It was expensive. And there's no way that I can, you know, we ran numbers and, and kind of looked at stuff and I was like, there's just no way I can make a business sense of this financially. Like it just doesn't add up. Um, and he, after, you know, pondering for a couple more months, he was like, I got it. What if they just wear the drawing. Like, what if we can use this technology, sublimation printing, and, and come up with our own sort of process? And he designed a, like a one printable coloring sheet, which is what you get from our website. Picture this clothing.com. You print out a coloring sheet. It's very simple. Um, people color it take a smartphone photo, upload it back on the site, and we send it back ready to wear. And it's as simple as that. But I really credit Ken with that that sort of simplification of the concept. But, it, you know, it took a couple months for that to kind of percolate. And then it was the aha moment. What if they wore the drawing? That was really the amazing moment. And that's how I ended up doing the picture this. So, I mean, you so you went through, I mean, you are, you're always, I, something I admire about you is your willingness to take the leap. Because I think everybody who's a free agent does that at some point. I mean, just getting started or for me, it was giving up the most lucrative part of my business because I just, what didn't make sense anymore. But everybody has these, these things where you, you literally take the leap of faith, but you, uh, you make a habit of it, Jamie. (laughs) I think I learned it from my dad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I really admire that about you. And so, so you did that. You decided, you know, I'm going to get into the clothing business because I had this great idea and and we figured out a process where people can, for, for kids and adults can wear their drawings, which is kind of amazing anyway. And the interesting thing about this for you was, um, it was an immediate success. I mean, you were on TV. It was 
crazy on Facebook. Everybody, I remember when it happened, um, it was just like showing up everywhere in my life that people are like, oh, have you seen this new company? I'm like, yeah, and I know that lady, you know? And so, oh, so it was, um, it really was great. And not many people have that immediate success. How do you deal with that? You know, it's, it's interesting because we really didn't expect that. I think, um, my, my boyfriend, I'm going to quote my boyfriend here. Um, Ken Fenny always says the secret to happiness is low expectations. <laughs> the optimist outlook on everything. But, um, so, you know, we had low expectations. Basically what we built was a proof of concept. Um, we, we had the idea. We did some prototypes. We called our friend Iggy, who's a web designer to, to make it in exchange for equity to make this website real. We worked with them on, you know, branding and stuff. He's excellent designer. Um, but we, we worked with them on the experience, the flow, the interaction and stuff. Cause that's Ken and I are both pretty sharp at that stuff. And, and, and Iggy. So combined, we created this and we used WordPress templates, you know, something low cost. I mean, it, it cost us, you know, less than $1,500 to launch that idea as a proof of concept and, you know, a lot of time. So, you know, I'm not billing for hours here or anything. I'm just saying like the actual money we put in, the three of us each, each chipped in like 500 bucks to cover like, you know, our hosting and our domain name reservations and all of that stuff. And, and so, you know, and to build prototypes, to get prototypes made, we ended up finding a manufacturer here in Las Vegas, 15 minutes from my house who could do the, the kind of print we needed and who did the cut and sew, which was very important for what we do. We don't print on pre-made products that are made overseas. We make everything right here in Las Vegas, which is, it was just hugely important part of the process for us because of the, the detail. But, um, you know, and, and I don't mean to derail from your specific question of like, how do you handle the success? But just to kind of lay the groundwork, we launched it as a proof of concept. And on the morning, you know, like we reached, we reached this point in July where we're like, okay, well, the site's done. Let's test it with a couple friends who have kids get some feedback, make the product, see how it would actually go if we released it. We did it. We got a little feedback on some stuff. Our sizes were a little off. And so we made some adjustments and then we were like, okay, this is it. We just, let's put it out in the world. And the worst thing that happens is nothing happens, right? Like we don't lose anything, but that, you know, maybe, maybe 1500 bucks and, and a bunch of time, but what else, whatever, we all had other things going. Iggy owned his own design shop. Uh, Ken is the other half of the, uh, Narwhal app for Reddit. Um, he's, you know, 50% of that. And, uh, and I was doing COO stuff for Martian craft. We all had day jobs basically. And, um, so we we're like, let's just put it out there. So the morning of August 17th, 2016, I posted a tweet around 6 a.m. And by the end of the day, oh, the, the, the tweet just said like, hey, hey, check out this thing that some friends and I made with a link to picture this clothing. So it pops up with a little picture and everything. And we thought about it, you know, like it, we wanted it to be good. We didn't want to release just a, you know, cobbled together piece of crap. Did we put time and effort into it and make sure we could take orders if someone placed one? Um, what we didn't expect was a write up by 6 p.m. Um, in TechCrunch <laughs> and our, our, so TechCrunch reached out via email, um, around 4 p.m. and just asked questions. They didn't say anything about, it was a writer from TechCrunch just shot an email. I answered it very thoughtfully. I thought maybe they'll want to do a, a piece on us, you know, so I'll, I'll answer these, you know, very carefully and very thoughtfully. And I sent it back and then, we were like, our site's down. What's going on? And then we discovered there was a TechCrunch write-up just a couple hours after I had responded to that email. And he didn't say he was sending, you know, writing a post. He didn't, he didn't really. We were just like, holy crap, a post was just made and, and our site's down. And so Iggy, you know, got the site back up. And then, and then it was just one 
for the next, I don't know, like three months, um, it was just one thing after another. And I, I feel absolutely honored, but it, it caught us by surprise. And I, I have to say, like, you know, you don't expect that. We had low expectations and we thought, oh, it'd be so awesome if we sold like one, you know, or 10. And we were just like, well, that would be so cool. And, um, we could handle like if 10 orders a month came in, that would be great. We could just keep doing what we're doing and we could handle these orders too and make a little money because yeah. we set it up. We didn't, you know, carry inventory. We set it up so it was profitable immediately. And, and then, um, you know, so like, you know, so day one, TechCrunch write up and then day two, Product Hunt posts us. Um, day three, Disney's Babble.com, a parenting blog, reaches out for an interview. And then day four, um, some other news conglomerate called Now This, who does Facebook videos, reached out and did an interview and they launched their video. So all these things kept happening. Babble.com posted their, um, their post one week after our launch date. So like, seven days later. And when they posted theirs, um, Huffington Post kicked it, picked it up and did a, a post on it. Business Insider did a, a thing on it. Um, Scary Mommy, which is a big mommy blog, picked it up. Board Panda picked it up. Um, My Modern Met picked it up. And then this company. And so like all this buzz is happening. And then that, um, that video, that company, the now this video, they launched theirs the day is probably two weeks later after we launched. They posted their video the day before Labor Day. I just remember it was like a three day weekend, but they posted their video and it got 3,000, sorry, 3 million views in less than 24 hours. And then that next day on Labor Day, the holiday, we did $10,000 in sales. And we were just like, oh my God, it's real now. We had not yet shipped a single order. And that, like, <laughs> we were like, oh my God, it's really real now. Like, we just proved the concept. Now we got to get our butts in gear. So we we just put our nose to the grind and, and busted a move and we made it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I call that proof of concept. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but oh man. And then email started pouring in. I had to get help to answer because I was still, you know, we were all still doing our day jobs, but I started getting like 200 emails a day. And I'm not joking. That is not an exaggeration, like 200 emails a day. And most of them I had, you know, I developed some copy paste that I could just answer most of the questions. We were getting our FAQs updated on the site and trying to post, you know, do as much as we could um, just to preemptively stop people, but, you know, from, from emailing. (laughs) And then I had to hire help and that went from 10 hours to 20 hours to 30 hours to 40 hours of, of help just with customer service. Um, and then um, I ended up leaving my full-time post at Martian Craft in November because it just became, it, I couldn't do both. I couldn't do both and be no. a mom and do my speaking engagements and all this stuff. So um, we managed, but man, was it bonkers. Jamie, you talk a lot about um, all these things that you started and you've had these successes with, with some of these things. One of the things that we talk about on this show a lot is being able to say no and being able to get out of things that you don't want to do anymore. And that that's another thing. That the flip side of what you've been able to do is that if you've got a project, you you have shown, I admire this. I'm, I'm not saying this negatively. I really admire your ability <laughs> to say, I'm done with that project. I'm going to move along. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because like you mentioned Tiny Challenges, and you did that yeah. for a little bit, and then you said, now we're done with this. And like you couldn't do the new projects like Picture This Clothing if you kept all of your existing projects going. At some point, you have to say, I'm done with that. How do you approach that? Okay, that's a great question, by the way. So you remember when I was talking about going through burnout, and, and then it was like, it's not about what's next, it's what's important. And I made this list. And you know, as a designer, I, every project I do, I do design principles. And when you outline your design principles, as you move through a project, you every everything that you 
every decision that you have to make about that project, right? If it's a, a mobile app, you say, oh, well, we want to add this feature. Well, does it align with the design principles? Yes or no. If it's no, you get it the hell out of there. And I operate my life in exactly the same way. My what's important list is sort of like my guiding compass, right? It, it's like I have this list of eight things that I, I created and it's it's like my core values, my compass. And, and it's this is what's important to me in my life. And every decision I make, does it align with one or more of these? And if not, it it has to go. And sometimes it may still align. I just don't have, it's not the highest priority, right? Um, Tiny challenges. I still practice and I still do because it, it has helped me. It's helped me chip away at some of the bigger challenges that I've encountered in life and not being able to do stuff. Um, you know, feeling like I couldn't do it because, you know, excuses are a whole nother thing. I have a talk called No Excuses. If you haven't checked that out, not to totally self promote, but it, it really is exactly how I moved through. You know, I can't, I can't do this because I can't afford it. I can't do this because I don't have time. I do have time and I can make, you know, it, it's, it's about chipping away at, at the big obstacles. So tiny challenges was born out of that. I still practice it. I just couldn't manage a community around it anymore. I can't, I can't prioritize that because picture this came in and became such a large presence. And I, and I love it. Like I love what we do at picture this. I love what we make. I love that every single day I wake up to new pictures that customers have sent me of their happy kids wearing their clothes or them wearing clothes that their kids made. You know, I I wake up that every day there are rainbows and unicorns in my inbox every single day. And I like that. I, I, I couldn't have designed it better. You know, <laughs> Like, holy cow. So I love what I'm doing. And so, yes, I do have to say no to stuff. I love tiny challenges too, but I can't do them every month right now because my, my higher priority is picture this. I, that is what I, I've decided to make a higher priority. And, you know, my kids, of course, like I still drive them to school every day and I still pick them up from school every day. And that means I have to sacrifice maybe moving as fast as I'd like at picture this. Um, but, you know, like I do make sacrifices like you do. You do have to make sacrifices and 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 you do have to say no. But if you have that compass, I guess it's going back to that list for me of what's important, my design principles or my core values. Um, whatever you want to call them. I have this list and I have it in a place where I can look at it at any given moment, you know, my little notes in my phone. Um, that's where I keep mine. And, and, you know, everybody's are different. Everybody's priorities are different and you have different focus at different times of life, depending on what you're going through, what your life circumstances are. But if you have this sort of guiding light, I guess, this, this source of saying, okay, I really need to look at this and just make sure here's a decision that I need to make. Does it align with my list? And that's how I make those decisions. And, and when I stick to my list, when I actually stick to it, and there have, there have been times when I'm like, oh, but I need the money or whatever. So I'll accept this job that doesn't seem like it really makes sense. And then, you know, sure enough, I end up regretting it. Yeah. Um, and the money is just not worth it and you have to let go. And, you know, it, it's, <sighs> that's one of those things. And, and, you know, also, I guess kind of goes back to what I was saying really early on, um, in the call is like, how much are you willing to sacrifice for what you want for designing your life? You know, like I, I honestly made a decision when I hit rock bottom burnout. I was like, do I need this house that I live in? I've been in my house now for, it'll be 16 years this year. Um, but could I let go of it if I had to? And, you know, I, I made the decision like, yes, I could. I could let go of this if I had to. Um, and, 
you know, maybe live in a camper or whatever. I don't know, whatever I needed to do to make ends meet. I haven't reached a point where I've had to let go of things. In fact, things have just perpetually gotten better. And I have to say, picture this as that it's, you know, after the viral bliss, you know, you, um, you gotta settle with reality and it's definitely not viral, but our holiday sales are still amazing. And we've still, you know, we, broke a million in sales earlier this year and we're not even two years old yet and that's pretty awesome and um good things are happening still and so you know i mean it's like we've been able to pay ourselves a little but i've definitely had to cut back on a lot of the lifestyle i'm used to but i think you have to decide you have to make a decision like what are you willing to compromise in exchange for taking the chance and for me not taking a chance is too great a risk like just being comfortable is not an option for me because it's it's boring (laughs) and and you know what and that's exactly uh why you're so successful (laughs) you know because you're always climbing the hill well well, jamie thank you so much for coming on the show um everyone uh you can learn more about jamie she's on twitter at jamie jamie with a j-a-i-m-e-e twice and you're on the web at jamiejamie.com. And you can also go check out picturethisclothing.com. Uh, congratulations on your amazing success. I can't wait to hear what happens next with all of this <laughs> with your story. You guys, thank you so, so much for having me. Yeah, we are the Free Agents. You can find us on, on Twitter. We are Free Agents FM on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on uh, relay.fm slash free agents. There's a feedback form there. You can send us feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. Did I miss anything, Jason? Nope, that's about it. I guess you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash free agent gr- agents group if you want to uh, get together with other free agents. And we will be back in a fortnight with more of your feedback that you send in like we just said and uh we'll talk about our 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 own little free agent lives as well but until then david it's been a pleasure as always we'll see you in two weeks 